Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Radio, wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. As always, joined by the big blue co host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, it's a big night here at FF Toolbox uh, and Roto Bowl. This is the first and only public Roto Bowl uh, display draft for all to see. How you doing, Bubba? Hey, I'm doing great, Scott, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, and I uh, appreciate everybody involved. Uh, Roto Bowl, uh, let's face it, uh, those, these Roto Bowls, they continue to, to explode. Uh, what's the reason? Is it the uh, mystic, mystic injury, or why is that? Because people are loving this stuff. Before we get to Roto Bowl, Mike, we have a little issue of the phone. Uh, I get countless email. I get hate mail. Uh, I get, uh, we've, we've received new phones. We received five new phones from mobile app startup a couple of weeks ago, and you're now on a Samsung galaxy, but it continues to happen. And what we're, what we're experiencing, if you heard the show and like in the chat room, they're saying, they're saying he still yells into the phone and it just crackles all the way. We can't take it anymore. It's gotta stop, man. We have to find a solution, uh, for your phone. Can you get the carrier pigeon or maybe the, the, the the, the old cans with the string might be better. Do I sound better now? Now, that's good. That's good. Okay. Maybe uh, the, the problem is, is I get too excited about the show, then, uh, you know, I start yelling. So maybe I shouldn't yell so much. And the speakers just can't handle it. <laughs> All right, guys. <clears throat> Mikey, you brought up a good point. Uh, you asked the question, what's making the Rotable so popular? Uh, definitely the price point is 279 uh, for a mid-stakes entry. That's, that's pretty affordable. 
Uh, it is a lot of money uh, for a lot of folks, but for the high stakes players, there it's a welcome price for them to jump in at a 279. Plus, the the league uh, prizes are the largest in the industry that we've found. 2150 in league prizes. We set out on a mission this year to increase those prizes because at the end of the day, uh, the 12 team league it's really the only thing you have control over. You jump it, you win your league, and then you have a chance at the money. But everybody knows that that is more of a you got to catch lightning in a bottle. You need a little bit of luck. The skilled owners want to win their league first and still have a chance at some cash, which is why we poured as much of it as we possibly could into the league prizes. You can actually cash over two grand uh, if you sweep both record and points in the 13-week format. But look, this draft is underway, Mike, and I'm going to go ahead and let you run off uh, the picks that we've seen so far in the first round of tonight's draft. Yeah, it, it's pretty much uh, going through the form right now, Scott. Uh, you got Adrian Peterson, uh Number one pick, Doug Martin, number two, Jamal Charles, number three, uh, C.J. Spiller, four, uh, Aaron Foster, five. Uh, then uh, Glenn, uh, Glenn Lowey, our, our, our buddy, uh, he went ahead and took the wide receiver, Calvin, which you have to, Calvin Johnson, at six, Trent Richardson at seven, uh, Ray Rice at eight. And then we were wondering when the uh, next wide receiver would come up off the board, and it sure did, Des Bryant. Uh, number nine, pure strength, and that would be what David Hughes. And then uh, the Brown brothers, uh, Donnie Smith, Brown brothers, Donnie Smith went ahead and took uh, Alfred Morris at uh, number 10. So, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of running backs, pretty much like it has been. Uh, but, but you throw in uh, Calvin Johnson, Dennis Bryant, what you pretty much expect to see. So now we're going to see uh, we're going to see what what happens down the road with uh, Chris Chris Yannico with Yannico Warriors and uh, John John Long down the road and uh, I already see that uh, uh, Chris Yannico is already taking Lashawn McCoy running back and we are getting uh, John into the um, into the the draft room now as we speak so we're going to be a little bit patient with him but that gives us a little bit of time to break down this first round already I do want to talk about. Uh, the scoring and the lineup rules here. So you know going in what you're looking at. The Roto Bowl em, uh, emphasizes a larger lineup than what you're, you're probably typically used to at Yahoo or ESPN or something along that line. We have an 11-man starting lineup. It's one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and two flex. So anytime you have uh, a larger lineup, you have to take a look at how that's going to affect your draft strategy. And for the most part, Mike, when you have to start two running backs and three wide receivers, what we've been seeing are quarterbacks and tight ends falling in the draft. You still are going to have your elite quarterbacks like Rodgers and Breeze probably go, you know, somewhere third, fourth round or something like that. And that's still late. Uh, now, you might have somebody that, you know, just will decide, you know what, that's too many points. And I'm going to take that edge on those points. 400, is a, 400 fantasy points for Breeze and Rodgers is probably going to happen this year. And people we'll probably take a stab at that at some point. I'm not that guy. I'm usually a guy that's going to wait on quarterback and let those other guys have that. Because of the larger lineup, you have to survive bye weeks, you have to survive injuries, and you have to survive flat-out bad picks when you make them because they're bound to happen. You're never going to have a perfect draft, right? So even when you look at your draft, you're like, I love that team. There's a bad pick or two in there, and it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, The one thing that you're talking about, the uh, quarterbacks, we're starting to see it uh, each week that we talk on red versus blue. It never fails. Um, when we talk about mock drafts or live drafts like we're having tonight, 
the the quarterbacks continue to fall one after another. So it's it, you know it, it's a time when you want to nail that quarterback and what round it is. You know, it's five seven. Six, seven, five, six, seven. It, it just depends. Uh, right now, I'm surprised about a player that has not been taken off the board, and uh, I, I'll be shocked if uh, John Long doesn't get him at at the number twelve pick. If he doesn't at twelve pick, he probably will at the thirteen pick. Three, four, seven, three, two, four, five, four, zero, four is the number. This is the first and only Roto Bowl uh, work list. We do have John on the phone. Uh, he is getting logged in, just having a few internet issues. Uh, and just like Billy Wallace said in the chat, this looks like a good time to spruce up my drink. Uh, so that's that's what's going to happen here. Now, uh, again, it is a PPR format, a larger format, and we play an entire 13-week regular season. We want you playing, everybody playing on Thanksgiving, one of the biggest fantasy football and football days of the year after you've eaten your turkey. We want you playing, so it is a 13-week regular season. Now, so there are a couple of rules here in Rotable to make that happen, and, and everybody, you can tell us at home what you think about that. But with a 12-man league, Mike, and a 13-week regular season, we don't want you have to play people twice. That would be a little bit unfair. You might catch the top guy twice, whereas somebody else catches the bottom guy twice. So what we do is we say the first two weeks of the season, while you're still feeling out your lineup, we do something called all-play. Now, it's not like you're playing uh, you know, 12 games there. What you're doing is we take the top six scores for week one and the bottom six scores for week one. The top six get a win, the bottom six get a loss. Week two, the same thing. Top six get a win, bottom six get a loss. You're feeling out your lineup. You're still trying to figure out what's going to work. We thought that would be good to do. And then the head-to-head action ensues from week three to 13. Uh, so that's the way uh, it works. You have the best record and the most points at the end of week 13. They advance. Uh, that's how it works, Mike. And we have seen uh, Matt Forte and Brandon Marshall are the turn picks. What do you think about those two turn picks? I, I think it's pretty good. I was really surprised that he didn't uh, jump on Jimmy Graham uh, because uh, the only reason I feel that way is because Brandon Marshall, I think Brandon Marshall's going to be a stud, but is he going to get more points than Jimmy Graham? And he had an opportunity right there, John Long, uh, in my opinion, to go ahead and get Jimmy Graham and then wait, and then maybe get you a couple wide receivers right there. Because let's face it, Jimmy Graham is a stud, a stud, a tight end. This is a very big show tonight. We're very excited to be broadcasting live here on Red vs. Blue, courtesy of FFToolbox.com, home of the Roto Bowl, the Fantasy Football World Championships, and we're even going to talk about the draft game. But tonight it is all about the Roto Bowl, Mike, and these 12 participants, these fine participants that uh, said, you know what, I'm okay with you bashing my picks on the air. I'm okay with you analyzing my draft. That's kind of how it started. We'd go up to Chicago, Mike, we'd draft, and then we'd start to look at the draft board, and, they, and somebody would say, what do you think? And, and I would just start rolling on picks. You'd start rolling on them, and then it just kind of evolved from there. Now we're sitting here podcasting for the high-stakes industry. It's a lot of fun. You will notice that there's a big enhancement to the color-coded draft board. You will be able to see that Steven Jackson is the 11th running back off the board. It's a really cool feature. We've been waiting on that for a little while. It's nice to see my fantasy league listening to the high-stakes players and saying, we'll give you what you need. And that's actually now an enhancement that's good for all. So if you play on any my fantasy league at home, any local league, any other website that uses my fantasy league, you will now see uh, the position uh, and the, uh, the count of position that that player was drafted. So we saw Julio Jones is the, you know, the third. Uh, it says actually wide receiver three. It's supposed to say it's going backwards there. <laughs> we got it. We, we see an error. 
But, hey, a good first attempt for uh, my fantasy league to pull that off. Uh, I do see that the wide receivers uh, are reversed in those rounds, so we'll have to get that figured out. Uh, but for now, we have Jimmy Graham, which you brought up is a very interesting dilemma uh, for, for a lot of players, Mike, especially in three wide receiver leagues. Uh, I think that Jimmy Graham has uh, an, a significant edge over all of the other tight ends, not named Gronkowski if he plays, and there's a good chance that he's not going to be healthy for the first six weeks of the season or for all the entire season. So when you look at Jimmy Graham, he's a very clear-cut winner to me. I'm trying to get in my mind if he's not as valuable as a Calvin Johnson because he's a position player, a skill position that you must fill, and a significant gap behind him. I love Des Bryant. I absolutely love him. I'm very high on it. You can see our rankings at FF Toolbox. You can find the, uh, the, the rankings and the ADP and see everything about the high-stakes world. We love Des Bryant. But if Jimmy Graham is going to outperform the next best tight end by 60 or 80 points, this is a, this is a game of numbers and math, Mike, and it's, it's kind of hard to turn him down. You take, Scott, you got to take him. Bottom line, cut, dry, and simple, you have to take him. Uh, that's why, you know, if – if Raider Nation, uh, John Long, I mean, you know, I, I think Matt Forte was a was a nice pick, but uh, you know, I would follow that right up with Jimmy Graham. I mean, that's what I would have done. Jimmy Graham could possibly be a first round pick when we come to main events in uh, Vegas this year. Yeah, we're participating in the chat room, the the, the crew here, the chat room at Red versus Blue, some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football here to check out the Rotable draft uh, so that they can in turn learn from this draft and themselves participate. Uh, you can go to rotable.com, which is hosted on FF Toolbox, and you can pick out your league that you'd like to play. There's a lot of folks playing in, in Rotable this year. All of the Roto experts from SiriusXM have decided to jump in. So the Roto experts are going Rotable. Uh, BFD, Mike Clay from Pro Football Focus. Um, FF Magic Man, Micah, Micah James is going to be there. There's a lot of names that are saying, you know what, the Rotable contest, it looks like a lot of fun, and I'm going to jump in it. Uh, so we're real excited to have those guys and our high-stakes players and all of the Rotable veterans returning. Uh, but if you'd like to jump in there against those guys, that, that's quite uh, okay to do. Now, Mike, I want to talk about Larry Fitzgerald coming off the board now at 2-9. Uh, he's off the board now, and he's the seventh what? wide receiver off the board. This is a situation where he's a candidate for comeback player of the year. And if you can take a, which Bronx Bombers did, had C.J. Spiller, comes back with Larry Fitzgerald, it's a pretty nice pick to have uh, considering that Fitzgerald, we know what he can do with an average quarterback. He had a very bad quarterback the last couple of years. An average quarterback, he has done phenomenal things with. And when you give him a great quarterback like Warner, you know he's going to be a top three. Fitzgerald now with Carson Palmer, you think he's worth that wide receiver seven? Yeah, no no doubt about it, Scott. Uh, first off, uh, Jason Webster uh, out of the Bronx Bombers, uh, he's drafting out of the four-hole, and uh, he went ahead and got C.J. Spiller that looked perfect. And like you're talking about, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, he just might get very settled in with uh, Carson Palmer uh, to be able to do uh, do the things that being wanted to been wanting to do. I mean, let's face it, last year was a very frustrating year for uh, uh, Fitz. Uh, Fitz is going to bounce back. Carson Palmer will bounce back. Uh, the question is, do they have the offensive line to do enough things to make those guys successful? Do they have the offensive line to uh, get enough running game to make those those guys successful? I mean, yeah. you know, so 
lot of a lot of variables there, but I think it's a nice pick uh, by Jason. We had Chris Johnson ranked decent uh, earlier in this uh, in the preseason as well. Anytime you can give those that offensive line a big boost like they did in the draft, it's going to help things out. And, and they seem to kind of roll over that Washington defense. I don't know if it was as much an indictment uh, uh, against the Washington defense as it was a, a, a bonus for the Titans offense, but he looked good. He is the type of guy that breaks big runs. I don't want to overreact. He breaks big runs. That's what he does. The next game he comes back and lays an egg. We will see that same Chris Johnson because Sean Green even looked good last night. And so that kind of said, okay, all right. I don't have to, I don't want to get too carried away here, but I think it's about the right spot. You should start to consider him somewhere around that second round. People always wonder if they, if they should take Maurice Jones drew or Chris Johnson or Darren McFadden, they're all kind of comeback candidates, right? So we'll have to see how how that shakes out. But uh, Mike, start back at the beginning of the draft here. Adrian Peterson, Doug Martin, you're okay. Adrian Peterson is still the number one player in all of fantasy football. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. So with Adrian Peterson, Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, who's expected to get about 70 receptions this year, they said already double what he had in the past, right, or what he had last year, which I think was 35. Uh, you now jump that up to 70 uh, with Jamal Charles, and it makes him, in PPR format, it makes him extremely valuable. That's why when you're watching a draft like this, you might say to yourself, wait a minute, why is Arian Foster and Alfred Morrison uh, and, and, and Marshawn Lynch all being drafted so late? It's because it's a PPR format, and if you don't have the receptions, you're counting on the touchdown, and touchdowns every year are very sporadic. We never know what we're going to get out of touchdowns. Some some players, if you remember, Mike, like D'Angelo Williams, the 20-touchdown season, the next year he yeah, comes back I'll and he gets that. five. Marshawn Lynch, the last couple of years, 10 touchdowns each of the last couple of years. It seems like he's going to be good for that, but without those receptions, he better be because 30 receptions is five touchdowns, and that can really make a difference. And that's why you see these backs like Spiller, Charles, Richardson, Rice, all going ahead of guys like Morris and Lynch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that makes uh, that makes all the difference in the world. So, uh, you know, th- that's what you have to do when you're uh, evaluating uh, how you're going to draft, uh, no matter the spot, whether it's uh, spot one, two, three, uh, or, you know, 10, 11, 12. You know, you have to understand the spot and who you want and how you're going to get them. Uh, I've been kind of uh, focused right now uh, so far in these first uh, two and a half rounds almost on the uh, – uh, Billy Waz and Jason Duvall, spots two and three. Uh, Billy Waz and Brothers Mayhem. You know, they've kind of gone back and forth in running backs, and uh, mm-hmm. Billy Waz has gone Roddy White for wide receiver. So I'm kind of waiting to see what Jason takes uh, in the third round just to kind of match up their teams because I'm looking at those two teams, and I'm really seeing Jason Duvall is uh, maybe having a leg up on uh, Billy Waz right now. Well, look, this is the story of the 2013 drafts. If you take Ooh, your – if you're looking at the draft board and you cut it in half in the middle of, of the of the, of the board uh, vertically, you will see a lot of green on your screen for running backs. We have a total of 10 running backs in the first half of the draft. If you look at the other half of the draft, it's only six running backs. And that's what we continue to see uh, week in and week out in these drafts is that when the best running backs are gone – 
they don't want to chase in the back half. They would rather take those wide receivers and have a leg up on those guys in the top part of the draft. They have a leg up in wide receivers. Then it comes back to those guys at the end of the second round, and they say, well, you know what? You let these running backs fall to me. I'm going to keep gobbling them up, and I'm going to have two running backs where you may have zero or one that aren't as good as mine. Uh, it seems like well, it's kind of a trend that continues to happen every single draft I see. Scott, let me ask you a question. Uh, Jason Dubois, uh, Brothers Mayhem, uh, Rob Gronkowski in round three. What do you think? I'm not real sure if I'm ready to even uh, understand the Rob Gronkowski situation. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really quirky thing for me because he has unlimited upside and complete and shattering downside. And when you have a yeah. player that's that varied, it's almost like Adrian Peterson part two. Last year, very huge downside. I don't think people even recognize the real upside. Now, we recognize the upside with Gronkowski. Even if he comes back from injury, we feel like he can be the number one tight end and be dominant and have 15 touchdowns that kind of year. But with him this year, I'm not, I don't want to touch him because I just have no idea what I'm getting. And I really, in a rotable format and in the Fantasy Football World Championship format at FF Toolbox, we call it the box format. I don't want to touch a player in the early rounds that might bust. You can, you're not going to win your draft in the first couple of rounds, but you can definitely lose your draft in the first couple of rounds when you have a significant injury to a player or you just flat out draft a player that's already hurt. You know, and that, that really surprised me. I mean, I was kind of following Jason's uh, picks because I love the Jamal Charles. I love the Chris Johnson pick uh, because I feel like he's going to have a huge year. And then he follows up with uh, Gronkowski. Uh, you know, I don't know. When you got uh, Victor Cruz uh, sitting in the wings, uh, you know, that's just you know that's just me talking to me. So, but uh, we got our, we got our first quarterback, uh, Scott Aaron Rodgers, uh, big fish, and uh, so Charles took Aaron Rodgers. This is about the time that somebody's going to spring on a quarterback, especially when you have a good one like Aaron Rodgers. No matter who he throws to, what kind of talent he's surrounded with, he has a chance of being the number one quarterback in the draft. I mean, I think we all understand that. Uh, what we're what you're going to have to count on. Uh, out of Aaron Rodgers, is that he is what he's supposed to be and that you hit on your sleepers later in the draft. Everybody has sleepers. Everybody has sleepers. You have to hit on those sleepers. You have to be right because you have to fill up a larger lineup. This is not a, a lineup for the weak at heart. You're not going to get bailed out in this type of a format with a, you know, if you're in week five and you're looking on your bench, you're like, oh, I've got an extra backup tight end here or something. I can, I can, uh, I can put him into my lineup. Uh, that's not going to work in this format. You're going to have to hit your sleepers if you're going to take a quarterback early. And I, and I think, personally, if you take a quarterback early, it, it almost rules you out from even considering a tight end if it were to fall in your lap. So, for me, it's very tough. Same with the tight ends. If you take a tight end early, it's very hard to take a quarterback. Now, I have seen teams pull it off. I have seen teams pull it off. And what happens when you leave the draft and you take a tight end and a quarterback early you're a believer at the end of your draft. You get guys that you're a believer in, but it's not proven. You know, you might end up with like a Tavon Austin, very exciting player, unproven. And you're leaving your draft with certain opinions about your guys, but you really don't know how it's going to do. Maybe like a, a Eddie Lacy. You really think he's going to do well, but you don't know, and the community hasn't really embraced him, and we haven't seen him on the field yet. Those are the types of players you end up with on your team. They can work out. We just don't know because we haven't seen them on the field. So 
you just have to be careful when you're when you're thinking. You got to be thinking about team construction at all times, and not necessarily, Mike. It's the best advice I can give. I've been we've been doing this stuff for ten. I we've done it for a long time, Mike. Ten, eleven, twelve right, years right, now right. since the World Championship days. It's about team construction, not necessarily the best player on the board, but the best player for your team. So I hope these players take that to heart and they're listening and they're thinking about that throughout the time. We have some very good talent. We're going to talk to all of them today, uh, Mike. And before uh, I go any further in this draft, and I've been having some switchboard problems anyway, I've been trying to get him in for the last couple of minutes. I want to bring in our guest for this evening, at FantasyQB on Twitter. Uh, Dominic LaFerriere, we are so excited to have you here this evening. You're a high-stakes player, a fantasy author, and you're here tonight on Red vs. Blue. What's up, my man? Hey, guys. It's football on your phone. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Ball on your phone. Mike, have you seen that video yet? Wasn't that the best thing ever? Yeah, it's hilarious. Looking hilarious. Hey Dom, glad to have you here. I thought you might be participating in this draft. These are these are the kind of drafts that I see you pop in every once in a while. But good to have you here. What do you think about this draft board so far? What what catches your eye? First thing, um, you know, after the first couple of picks here, I can see that uh, you have nine teams. I already have two running backs, if I count correctly. So I expect to see a lot of yellow coming up now. That's a good point. Nine teams already have, uh, through 37 picks, nine teams have two, two running backs. And I think that's something you have to do this year. I think with the depth at wide receiver, Dom, I think that's a, a common theme that we've been seeing. Running backs have been yep. going. This is back to kind of the traditional RB Ray because of the tremendous depth at wide receiver this year. You can come out with a really nice wide receiver core. Now, you're not going to have a wide receiver core like David Hughes here, pure strength. He's got Des Bryant. Demarius Thomas and Wes Welker. That's a pretty sick trio of, of wide receivers, Dom. Yeah, and I last year in Vegas, I saw a team go pretty much like that, and sure thing, they made the playoff. Wow. It doesn't happen a lot, though. I mean, I remember seeing some studies. Oh, running backs? Uh, well, I mean, with, with, with no profile running backs? Yep. Wow. Well, that's the thing. You've got to hit on those sleepers. And if you can hit on them and you know that they're coming up and you're you're okay to take them, that's why I say, hey, if you draft right now in the middle of the NFL action that's going on, and I, and I hope you guys have been watching tonight, there's been a lot of things going on tonight that are pretty exciting to talk about uh, and may affect your draft strategy tonight. Uh, but the fact is you have to hit on those those sleepers. And if you draft early, there's a couple of things that go on. One, you could have an injury. You could lose Percy Harvin. Uh, you could lose Ed Dix or Ed Dixon or Dennis Pitta. You could lose Jeremy Macklin. You can lose a, a, a number of guys. Be scared about Jordy Nelson. Or two, what can happen by drafting early is you can kind of get the guys before everybody else finds out what you already knew, that he was going to be great. And I'm telling you right now, Dom, I don't know if you feel this way. Mike, I know you do. If you're high on a guy like Giovanni Bernard going into, going into a draft like this, or, or going into the okay. preseason, and, and you're, set, you're you're signed up for a draft at, let's say, late August or early September because you're wanting to get the most up-to-date information available, you're not going to get Giovanni Bernard where you thought you were. You're not going to get a Lamar no. Miller where you thought you were. He's going to go way higher, and you've kind of blown your shot. So I really admire the guys that draft early. I love to draft early, and, Mike, I know you do too. 
Yeah, I, I, I really do. I mean, I've always loved that, uh, just to go ahead and get get my guy, because uh, you brought up a guy, a player, uh, uh, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard. I mean, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. I mean, I got a man crush on the dude. I mean, the guy is going to be something else. And furthermore, he's going to be great on a team that is uh, getting better. And that's that, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, you won't be able to wait on any guys come September. I mean, you're going to have to reach for them or you're gonna, just going to have to grab for them. Um, nobody's going to fall to you in these, these drafts now. Dominic LaFerriere is our guest. You can find him at FantasyQB on Twitter. You can find me at Red Blue Radio. Mike, you have a Twitter account? Do you know what Twitter is? Twitter? Uh, yeah, I got this bug over here. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, you got a Galaxy phone now. You can jump in. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's e- can you hear me okay? To- yeah. We, we we can hear you loud and clear, man. Yeah, I think Mike Good tonight, deal, you, man. you know, it's perfect. I mean, it's just... Uh, not to scream in the phone at the beginning, and that's all fine. My wife was in the mailbox. She said, what is all this about? And we were, we kept getting phones every day. She's like, what is going on? And I was like, well, that's red versus blue. That's Mike. And it's a long story. I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, but we, we have to get him up and ready for the big time if he's going to start stepping up and doing uh, these. He's been doing these types of drafts with us all the time, and the, the traffic numbers are starting to pick up, Mike. So we've got to – We've got to keep everybody happy. Now, I want to talk about uh, the third quarterback is off the board now. Peyton Manning goes at pick 4-4. Uh, Peyton Manning has all the potential in the world. He is surrounded. Matter of fact, pure strength is going all in with the Peyton Manning team. Yes. He has Peyton, Demarius, and Welker. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, uh, Dom, have you, do you like that type of strategy where – if if you might, if you know if you're drafting Demarius and Welker, you're already kind of putting your eggs in that basket. Why not go ahead and take the whole thing? Yeah, basically what's happening here is going for stud receivers and he's adding like a top quarterback, and it's going to be, you know, the anchor to his team. It's going to be those four guys there. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a top tight end and at this point. And. You know, look, there's going to be some running backs to come up uh, for, for David, very likely. And, again, we talk about draft strategy. We're talking on the fly. You sign up for our red, a red versus blue draft. You're getting live commentary. Like if you were on TV or broadcasting live in a game, we're looking ahead and we're saying, okay, well, there's some running backs coming up in the fifth round. You know, maybe he can secure like a Lacey or a, a Bernard or a Bradshaw or a Green or a Richardson. Somebody's going to be coming up here, and he's going to have to, he's going to, have to scoop up on a couple uh, and again, when you leave the draft, you're not going to feel great, but there's a chance. There's a chance you could be right. So, uh, you know, some people like to play it uh, for, for broke. I like to. It's it's a little bit of a, a weird mix, Dom, because you want to win your league, but then again, you got that carrot at the end, that twenty five thousand dollars at the end. That's uh, that's a, there's a chance that you could win that thing. Yeah, and uh, once you make the playoffs, you have to have a real strong team during those last few weeks. And, um, you know, the good thing about this draft is that it's not a draft master. They're going to be able to manage your team. Injuries are going to happen. And they're going to have to play the waiver wire and see what happens. I mean, last year, no Sean Moreno ended up on a bunch of winning teams at the end of the season, and he wasn't drafted in most drafts. Mm-hmm. You know what, Dom? Uh, you, you brought up a great point, and I'm looking at a team, uh, team six, uh, team six, Glenn Lally. Calvin yep. Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Darren McFadden, and then he followed that up with uh, Lamar Miller. 
this guy has a potential great, great team. Because I know who he's coming back with. He's coming back with a wide receiver or maybe even a, a quarterback. But if you if you consider those facts that those guys are going to be healthy throughout the entire year, Calvin Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Jeremy Fadden, Lamar Miller, this is a fine team. Yeah, and the funny thing is, if I had been in spot there, I would have been maybe debating between McFadden and Miller. And what a little bit of a nice surprise it is that Miller actually goes back to you at the in the middle of the fourth there. Yeah. I don't know if it's a preseason influence already, but, you know, um, crazy things can happen these, these, these days, and it's one more reason to jump in. I mean, you start drafting now, right. you jump into the rollerball, this is the perfect time of the season to do it. Now, we are yep. in the fourth round. We're getting ready to close out the fourth round here. And uh, I just want to recap it for the listeners at home, the guys that are on the treadmill in the morning listening to Red versus Blue. I want to give you a rundown of this draft. And, Mike, I'll get you to uh, run some of these down, too, as well. But with Peterson, Martin, and Charles going at the draft, Spiller at number four. Look, they said they're going to feed him until he pukes. That's a little bit of a double-edged sword for you because, yes, I love to hear that as a guy that's rooting for Spiller or especially as the guy that you've drafted. But at the same time, there's a – that's the one thing that we're a little bit worried about with C.J. Spiller is the workload. And so to say that you're just going to feed him until he breaks down is a little risk is a little scary for me. Foster's another guy with a ton of carries that we've started to see decreases in yards per catch, de- decreases in yards after catch, yards after tackle, or yards after contact, yards per rush. Everything is on the decline for Foster. And we know that happens when you hit that many carries. There's lots of statistics that you can find on Toolbox and everywhere across the web. You start hitting those carries, and it just really takes a wear and tear on you. I'm a little uncomfortable, Dom, with taking him at five. I'm kind of on record of saying that. I would much prefer a safer option like Ray Rice. To me, and I've said this before, I said it on SiriusXM the other day on Roto Expert Show, there's no reason to not like Ray Rice this year. I know everybody loves Bernard Pierce. I love Bernard Pierce. Ray Rice is going to be involved. We said Dennis Pitta with the loss of Pitta. Flacco was absolutely devastated. I think everybody uh, has, has heard that. With Ray Rice, he has an uncanny knack of being able to get open on the field at all times, Dom. It's just I, – I, I'm amazed. Every time I watch a Ravens game, he's wide open, and nobody's touching him. Nobody's anywhere near him, but he's the best player on the field. And so he has that ability when the play is in action, a sense about him, that he knows how to get open. So the fact that Pitt is gone and you have injuries to Dixon already and you lost Anquan Bolden, you don't know what are Jacoby Jones is. Torrey Smith is just a deep threat. You know Flacco is going to throw, get the dumpers going every single game with Ray Rice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you bring up a great point because it's not all about stats. When you're using your eyes there, you're saying this guy knows where to get open, he knows how to read the zones, and he knows where to sit and wait for the ball. And that's a very special skill in this league, and that usually makes great receivers, in this case, a great catching running back. And I can see him really climbing up the ladder in the first round by the time we hit Vegas because he was going at the end of this first, I would say, in the very early draft this year. And now, you know, seven, if I'm reading this right, it went up in seven. And you, I can expect him to go in the top six. Mike, I want to ask you, we have a question in the chat room here from the crew. Uh, from a Matt Hansen zero, what do you think of the guys, the second-year quarterbacks, the Wilsons, the Kaepernicks, and the RG3s, who do you think will go first in this draft? 
Did we lose Mikey? Uh-oh. That, no if more you've never been time. around red versus blue, you kind of know to expect certain things. And some of those things happen to do with Mike and his phone. He may have just walked away to the fridge to grab a beer and not told anybody. He may have thought Dom was going to talk for a couple more minutes. He didn't. He may not have thought I was going to throw it back to him. That's kind of what we get here at Red versus Blue. We're kind of used to it. Come on, Mike. Where are you at? Where are you uh, Oh, there he is. You back, Mike? Yeah. Uh, what, what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> you had a question in the chat room. What are you doing, man? We're live here in front of thousands of people on Red versus Blue for FF Toolbox in the first rollable draft, and you're all going to get a – is it – it's Rachel around. Can't she go get you a beer or something? Let me put her on the phone. <laughs> it's not about a beer. It's not about a beer. What's going on? All right. We have a question in the chat room from Matt Hanson Zero. He says, second-year quarterback, where are they going to go, and who do you think will go first, Wilson, Kaepernick, and RG3? I love all those guys. Uh, Wilson, Kaepernick, or RG3. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I talked last week uh, that I didn't care for either one of them. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, coming up this year, uh, I like Luck much more than either one of those three. But out of those three, uh, I would say that uh, Russell Wilson. I, I like Russell Wilson a little bit better than uh, Kaepernick uh, because Kaepernick going to get against uh, some defenses that I don't care for. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to go Russell Wilson right there. But I still say Andrew Luck is the best bet out of all four of them. Well, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you said that, Mike. That's very observant of you. Uh, I'm going to put the buzzer meter at a very low number right now because he didn't mention probably the best quarterback for the future long-term value in Andrew Luck. He is the Colts franchise. Uh, Dom, I'll turn it over to you. That's the, the all four of those quarterbacks. Now, obviously, Kaepernick's not a year two guy. He's actually a year three guy, but we'll give him a pass on that. I I kind of understand mm-hmm. what he's saying. The new breed of quarterbacks: Wilson, Kaepernick, RG three, and Luck. They they will be going here at some point. They are all considered number one quarterbacks, not number twos. So, with thirteen starting quarterbacks, just about I'd be comfortable with where where will they go and who would you take first? You know, it's almost like spin the bottle right now. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing I'm noticing, and I'm gonna have to keep my eyes open on this in the preseason. One of the few things I actually give credit to. Um, Washington defense looked pretty bad this week, and I want to see if they're going to keep looking that bad. Because if that's the case, you can expect RG3 to have to play from behind and have to catch up a lot and throw a lot or run a lot, but do something more. Maybe then, yep. you know, guys like Wilson and Kaepernick who have great defenses behind them. I agree with you. Uh, I think what we saw last Boy. night was uh, horrendous uh, from the Redskins D. And let's see if they just weren't ready to play. But we have RG3 a little lower, but the all all. We're going to be doing updates every week to our rankings. RG3 we have at 11. His ADP is at 8. We sort of like Russell Wilson a little bit more. I sort of like Andrew Luck a little bit more just because I know that Pep Hamilton, they want to run the ball there. They want to have the dink and dunks. But Andrew Luck, I just love the fact that he's so fierce and just going down the field, and he will go down the field uh, with T.Y. Hilton, even if that's the only guy that he has out there. Uh, you will see a lot of Colts cleaner this year too. Mike, go ahead. Yeah, Scott, I'll I tell you what, I saw an interview by Reggie Wayne, and it was so impressive. Reggie Wayne, I mean, how many years has this guy been in the league? And, you know, he's talking about Andrew Luck like he's a veteran. 
He said, this guy just brings in a veteran presence. And, you know, I, that's why I'm, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I just love the way that they talk about him, and I love the way that Andrew Luck has handled the game. Uh, it was a very, very, uh, very interesting stat between Andrew Luck's first year and Peyton Manning's first year. Now, I'm not trying to compare Andrew Luck to Peyton Manning, but there are some similarities there because the way Andrew Luck handles his team, handles the huddle. And that's what that, that's a big difference, man. You you're you're a cowboy fan. Let me ask you. Everybody knows you live in Indi- uh, you live in Kentucky, but you kind of you yeah. know you work in Indiana. You're always in Indiana. You're always bashing on the Hoosier fans, and you love your Wildcats. Yeah. Uh, you're a cowboy fan, but I sense a little bit of Colt envy here. I sense I sense a little bit of Andrew Luck already led this team to the playoffs, and Tony Romo is <laughs> always sitting at home. I sense a little Colt envy. Is that what's happening? No. No, no, you, you might sense it. I'm just seeing, you know, I'm just commenting on what I see. I see a total professional and uh, and the way he goes about things in Andrew Luck. Uh, Tony Romo, he's a professional, too. He just doesn't have that drive that I want to see. Andrew Luck has that drive. Mobile app startup just showed up with a nice little video of uh, saying, hey, Scott, this guy is back. And it's a nice little run by Chris Johnson. We already talked about Chris Johnson. You'll have to catch the replay for that. But I do want to shout out to everybody in the chat room. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, this this uh, show sponsored by FFToolbox.com. Billy Waz, Brothers Mayhem, Coyote Streakers, Fantasy QB. A ton of guests in the chat room. Henry Muto, IPS Driver, Matt Hanson, Zero, Mobile App Startup, Open Field Ahead, Fantasy Taz in the booth. Uh, as the commissioner right now taking care of the draft. We thank uh, Jim Day for being here, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz on Twitter. Tim Teabag, Toppington, and Wayne Ellis, Wayne8348. Dom LaFerriere, Dominic LaFerriere, is our guest today. You can find his stuff uh, at FantasyQB on Twitter and FantasyFootballQB.com. I love the look of the new site, man. It's going really well. We're going to have to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, But let's get back to this draft real quick. I, I'm still in the first round. I haven't even made it out yet. Arian Foster, Calvin Johnson at six. Trent Richardson at seven. Probably a 70-catch guy again, if he can stay healthy. Love the upside of Trent Richardson. I'm a little afraid of the injury. If there's any one guy that I could pin a bust on other than Foster would be Richardson, but I, I do believe in the kid. Ray Rice at eight. He's got to be going up a little bit higher than that. And then at nine, I'm a little surprised that somebody would turn down on LaShawn McCoy, but Des Bryant is very arguably the, the one of the top wide receivers, top two, top three wide receivers in the game. So if you want him, that's great. I would have felt a lot better with a LaShawn McCoy start. He could have then had Demarius and Welker. But again, this is a larger lineup league. I'm sure Dave's got a strategy. We, we have yet to see it unfold, so I'm not going to get on that pick. But if it's me, I've never seen, Dom, running backs this deep into the draft where you could still get LaShawn McCoy, Alfred Morris, Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, all the way up through the first round. Yeah, but uh, like you said, it all depends on the strategy. And, you know, I I like the FFWC format, the rotable format, because it's a very deep roster. You have to start 11 guys. And when you look at different, different forms of, let's say, uh, value-based drafting, VBD, mm-hmm. um you should expect a number of receivers going on into the first round, like more than two. And 
But people want their running back. So mm-hmm. you got to take the emotional and the human aspect into account, not just look at the math, because the math are going to tell you that, yeah, Des Bryant may have to go sooner than that. Mike, every year there's a huge turnover at the running back position in the top ten. I'm going to read you the top ten from last year, and I want you to tell yep. me which of the – every year five of those guys are going to be out of the top ten, and there's going to be a new five. So I'm going to give you the top ten – and I want you to tell America at home which five you think uh, have a have a chance of being out of the top ten. You ready? Yep. Adrian Peterson. Nope. So just top ten. Top ten is means he's going to be top ten. No might mean he's out of the top ten. So do you mean no? He's in the top ten. He's in. He's in top ten. Okay, in or out? That's good. Doug Martin. Uh yes, in. <laughs> Nothing works. Arian Foster. Nope. Out. Out. Okay, there's one. Ray Rice. In. Marshawn Lynch. In. We're at number six now. C.J. Spiller. Out. Whoa. Alfred Morris. Out. Trent Richardson. Ooh. Uh... I go out. Jamal Charles. Out. Out of the top ten. And Frank Gore. Out. Okay, so you had six of the top ten actually being out, and you only left four in there. So, uh, Dom, when you hear those names, uh, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are are, are there any that stand out? To me, it seems like Frank Gore is a no-brainer. No way he, he makes it to the top ten unless he's just bionic man and he does exactly what he did last year. I don't think that's going to happen. We're all waiting for that downward trend to happen. It didn't happen last year. I kind of expect it to happen this year. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Um, You know, I think Lynch has a legit shot to be in the top ten. And there's a lot of guys in the second round that you can pick up that could be even in the third round. I see one guy that, you know, could end up in the top ten. It's a very – running back is very tricky because – I'll, I'll take you on one more thing here. In the last three years, the top 24 wide receivers have, have outperformed in total fantasy points the top 24 running backs. So in a format like this one, when you have to start three receivers minimum up to five, I mean, there's a lot of value and a lot of points to be collected there over running backs. But when you're talking about top 10, you know, the major factor is what? Injuries. To me, you know, Peterson right. in, Martin in, Charles in, Spiller in, Foster in, unless there's some boo-boo that happens. Richardson in, Rice in, but then I would go McCoy in, and then, you know, guys like Forte, Lynch, Steven Jackson, depending on the O-line there, may uh, compete for another spot in the top ten. Dominic LaFerriere from at Fantasy QB on Twitter, breaking it down. And Michael Trent has something to say, so let's see what Mike's got. What do you got, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw out there, uh, you know, you gave me a lot of running backs there, Scott. And uh, the one that uh, might explode this year, and uh, I want to see what your thoughts and uh, Dom as well, is uh, DeMarco Murphy. Yeah. Go ahead, Dom. I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just say I love the hate on Murray this year. 
because it's not all about the points. It's also about consistency. And the fact is that Murray is a very consistent guy when he's on the field. The problem is he's also very consistently injured. So that's yeah. your trade-off, right? But for a guy who went today in the third round, who you can count on consistency 90% of the time, he's going to have a good week, which is often more important than guys who are going to explode one week and the other week is going to lay an egg. Um, that's top value. Yeah, we did. You know, we did hey, see hey, the Marco hey, Murray. Go ahead, Mike. Maybe we could have the uh, all injured list. Uh, you know, you could throw in uh, Demarco Murray, uh, Darren McFadden, guys like that, uh, Lamar Miller, and see who comes out the best. Dallas had a dismal year on the ground last year with only 1,200 yards coming from their running backs and seven touchdowns on 320 carries. We could see DeMarco Murray if healthy. And, again, that's the problem. 13 games year one, 10 games year two. He hasn't been able to put it together. He gets to that 160 carries. And the problem is when he's asked to go inside and be a pounding type of runner, and that's what he is, you know, it's got, it, he just seems to have these injury issues. So it's not like it's flukish. It's more like workload running back. He just can't hack it and he can't handle it. He, the it's good thing is if, yeah, it's his running style. If he, if he does stay healthy all year, the guy's a lot for a top five running back. I mean, Joe Randall, sure, he's got, he might be used a little bit in the goal line, but you've got a receiving monster here that's probably going to catch, you know, 60 balls or so. And, and have another 300, if he could do a 300 carry season. we just never seen it from Murray. But I like being able to get him in the third round. That's where he belongs. Murray, McFadden, Jones-Drew, all question marks. The one question that I would be asking is at 310, Brown Bombers take Stephen Ridley. Did you guys see him tonight? I missed oh, yeah. the play, but talking to a high-stakes player, I said I heard that, uh, Dom, if you saw him, you comment. I heard he looked pretty darn good. Oh, yeah, he was just a tank tonight. Uh, he made uh, Blunt, who was actually taking the uh, – when Ridley was going off the field, it was not Varian coming on first. It was actually Blunt coming in. I was like, what? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Blunt looked like a school kid there. It's Bill Belichick. It's the preseason, and uh, he can do he can do whatever he wants. You know, that's uh, that's Bill for you. But, yeah, uh, but uh, one last thing about Murray. You know, yeah. his playing style reminds me a lot of Amendola, if you wish. Both guys don't care about their body. They just play. They play hard. They throw their bodies in there, and injuries happen. But nine carries, nine carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns tonight for Legarrette Blunt. Mike, you think he gets drafted tonight? Oh, I bet he will. I bet he will. I guarantee he'll get drafted. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of Patriots going to get drafted tonight. All right, Mike. Blunt had a good preseason last year too, right? We just lost half the chat room there on that last outburst of yours. So let's let's remember, stay calm, stay calm, relax, talk into the microphone, let it be your friend. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Can you hear me okay? That's better. Oh, that's Gio Bernard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Gio Bernard. That's uh, that's our that's our that's our guy here in red versus blue. We um, <clears throat> named him our skyrocket running back back in what June maybe. Uh, an untouchable, an untouchable uh, force there with Gio Bernard. But let's start to take a look at the teams because this is the point in the draft where strategy becomes key, Dom. Strategy is very important. Look, everybody's team looks pretty darn good through five rounds, doesn't it? Usually, I mean, you can disagree with a pick, but everybody's team looks pretty darn good. Round six through ten are what we call the money round. That's what I've always called the money round. That's when the draft can go 
any which way, the teams that are positioned well and built well through five rounds can be flexible or know what to expect in round six through ten and kind of let the draft come to them. If you have not been flexible in rounds one through five, Dom, you end up having to make some decisions that you wouldn't normally make. Yes, and round six is actually where you can look at the draft and it provides a critical picture for a team composition and round seven and later. Because in my opinion, you know, after round six, that's where first blood is drawn because it's all it's all about how good your um, your depth is and how good your flex players are going to be because you have to start two in this league. And the last few weeks, all the injuries to the receivers, I mean, you can already see the impact in this draft of almost like half a tier of receivers disappearing because guys like Greg Jennings went in the fifth. Deshaun Jackson went in the fifth. You know, James Jones is climbing up. Um, you know, receiver is deep, yes and no. I mean, in this format, it's uh, you got to be careful because by, I would say, after round six, you're looking at guys that may not be that consistent, and that's going to hurt you during the long season. Giovanni hey, Bernard, Dom. running back. Go ahead, Mike. Real quick, Dom, uh, talk to me about uh, how uh, how much of an impact is Greg Jennings going to make? You know, I have to watch a little bit more of that. I don't know, you know, Ponder is one not one of my favorites, and uh, gotta know where his eyes are when he's throwing the ball. I mean, it's a little bit like you know, Kaepernick is a stud, but Kaepernick does only one read almost when he throws the ball, or he runs. You know, if his guy is not open, he's gonna run. Last year, his guy was Crabtree, and you saw that in the Super Bowl in the very last play of the Super Bowl when he went for his drop back. The pressure was so intense that he had to throw one way and he went directly to his guy. Now, who's gonna be his guy? You know, his guy this year. I watched the preseason. I saw him look at Bolden. I saw him look at Davis. But I wasn't sure. I didn't see him long enough. But that's one thing I want to see in the preseason. When he drops back, who is his first read most of the time? Because that's going to tell you maybe he's going to take over the Crabtree role. Um, But when you're looking here, I mean, I see Daryl Richardson going in the seventh. I mean, um, you can already see the impact of the preseason on the drafts happening right now just before our eyes. This is the point in the draft that I do like to look at, um, at team construction. And Mike, I don't know, were you, were you asking about Greg Jennings or AJ Jenkins? Uh, Greg Jennings. Okay. Jennings. Uh, but let's, let's look at, uh, the way these teams are now starting to build in through the seventh round, Michael Edelman from the, the one hole. He drew the one tonight, incredible hulking us. Let's take a look at his squad, Adrian Peterson, Ivory, and Richardson at running back. Not a huge fan of the running back two and the running back three. However, where he got them, very decent value there. Uh, Ivory off the board as RB30. Richardson off the board as RB31. I'll take that. If I'm waiting this long for running back, look, Ivory uh, has a lot of potential, and that's a word that always gets thrown around. He's never been able to do it as a part-time back. I don't know why I should expect him to do it as a full-time back. Very exciting, good yards per carry, all that stuff. It's a picture of health, and that's why he drops in the draft. But Sean Green in a non-PPR format was like a top 12, uh, top 15 running back. So when you go to the PPR, the question is, what are you getting there? Randall Cobb, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Jordy Nelson as a four, a wide receiver four. That tells you right there the, the injury to Jordy. Scaring people off. He's dropping to the fifth. 
but that set of wide receivers, you absolutely love. He has waited on the quarterback. He has no quarterback. He has no tight end. He's setting up fine. Uh, and when you're talking about a deep lineup like Rotable Dom, uh, he can fill three wide receivers. He has one of his flex in Jordy, and he needs another one. Now, he's going to be counting on Ivory or Richardson as his other flex. He's going to start them both. Those are his seven starters. Now he's ready to either A, acquire more depth, or B, get his quarterback and tight end. What would you do if you were him? At that hole, I would go probably with more depth. Um, it's just yep. it's too much of a price to pay to not acquire more options at receiver or running back if you can. And it's all it's all going to depend what's going to fall to him because at the one spot, you don't have a choice. I mean, the draft happens, then you have to wait like 24 picks before you get to pick again. Um, so it's going to be tough, but I like his strategy so far. I mean, he has a strong anchor at RB1. He has four receivers he could start. You know, Nelson is if-if right now. But Ivory and Richardson, you know, worst comes to worst, he's going to be able to stream them and maybe go for other guys as flexes. And I just want to say you know, something right now. Before before you do, Mike, I just want to say something. I'll turn it over to you. When we're on these shows on the podcast here at Red vs. Blue, we like to talk. And that's what we do. That's our job. We're talking. We're looking at the draft. We're no different. Don't think for a second that any of these drafters that are just ponying up $279 are, are, are listening to us and making their decisions. They're listening to what they've been, all of their research and their draft sheets and all of their strategy is coming into play. We're just another guy at the other end, the other side of the table when all these drafts are going on. There is something that something that happens in these these live drafts, Dom, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the Ogletree factor. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're drafting, you're drafting, and all of a sudden, you know, behind you, you hear somebody hear Kevin Ogletree, and then you're waiting on the clock, and you're and you're waiting, and then uh, the next guy in your league says, wide receiver Kevin Ogletree. <laughs> It's like the chatter in the other side of the room. You can't let it distract you from your strategy. So when we're talking, we're no we're no better than you. We're just uh, we're just sitting and watching the draft and having a little fun, Mike. Yeah, who's yeah, going to be this year's Kevin Ogletree, man? <laughs> it's the same thing that uh, that uh, you posted on uh, on the tool on the toolbox page, FF uh, toolbox page, one day uh, about uh, you know if you knew. You know, if you want to get uh, involved into uh, high-stakes or mid-stakes leagues, you know, tell me about yourself. And the first thing is, uh, I, I saw Billy Wise, he posted something about it. Just, hey, man, stay your course, man. Stay your course. Don't listen to chitter-chatter and all this. And um, So, you know, I was wanting to uh, comment on uh, what uh, Dom said about uh, team number one. You know, uh, that's Michael Edelman's team. You know, he's – you know, he, he – you got Adrian Peterson, Cobb, and, you know, he, he needs a little bit of fillers there, but uh, things are going to happen there because he's still got plenty of time for uh, quarterbacks because there are still plenty of quarterbacks uh, left to be had. Uh, the tight ends might be a little thin, but he can still uh, fill in some uh, running backs and quarterbacks or running backs and uh, uh, wide receivers. Yeah, the we interesting will see. Thing this year, um, you know, it's been a common, no, I wouldn't say necessarily common, but it's been a strategy in the past in high-stakes leagues, in past winners, you know, to draft one stud running back as an anchor, letting load up on the receivers, right. and then stream running back two. The only right. question I have with this format this year 
is because it's 11-man starter worst roster, is one anchor running back enough, or do you need two? It's a good question. And then you, uh, you stream at number three. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. We actually did post a lot of the winning Roto Bowl teams from last year. Uh, we posted those on the message board just to take a kind of a look back. So that's some good, valuable information that you can find on the FF Toolbox message boards. Uh, there was some conversation going, and you, we took a look at the championship team. And, and sometimes, I'm, you know, sometimes just the stars are aligned and you get the breaks that you need and that the team does what it needs to do on that week. Uh, I didn't really see a lot of anything special, uh, like championship-type uh, team out of the Rotable champion last year. But things just worked out, and sometimes that's what happens. This format, though, I do think you have to have the depth to survive the bye weeks, the injuries, and the flat-out bad picks. There are, on Michael's team, there could be a couple of very bad picks. Fortunately, he's got five studs that I can't see going anywhere unless there's injury, right? Six and seven, a little iffy. But I think as we go through this draft, we're probably going to see that with a lot of six and seven round picks. So let's go on to Billy Waz, number two, team two. Doug Martin and Darren Sproles at running back. Got to love that in PPR. Roddy White in the third. You have, I mean, for a guy that's always catching 90 balls, to see him falling to the third and other guys are taking chances on a Steven Jackson. And yeah, you know, I mean, he looked like he was slower than, I don't know what last night, but he looked like he was 40 years old out there. I, I really felt bad for the guy when I was watching him. Uh, he almost like just moved off. He kind of, kind of moved on to my do not draft list just from seeing him one time. Now I know it's just one game and a couple of carries. I'm probably overreacting. I don't want to hear all the, the, you know, the Steven Jackson lovers are getting all my cakes, but I didn't like it. I would much rather have a Darren Sproles, young still, still can run, still can catch, take plays. Calm, Mike. Calm. Calm into the microphone, buddy. What 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 do you got, Mike? I'm just I'm I'm looking at Billy's team and uh I totally agree with what you're saying. And right now he, he I mean he he's got his tight end, uh, but I would like to see another running back out of him. Yeah, so we got Doug Martin, Darren Sproles at running back. Roddy White, Pierre Garçon, love Garçon this year as a two. If he can overcome the injuries, we saw what he was in the second half of the year. I think it was the last five five games of the year, he was a top ten wide receiver. And so oh, yeah. if you're getting him this late in the draft, at the end of the fourth round as your wide receiver 19 off the board, got to like that for Pierre Garçon on in an RG3 in that chemistry, that there's there's going to be some good things for Pierre Garçon. I would like him better as my three, but I would even take him as my two. I'm okay with that. Jason Witten uh, as a tight end, always top five. Doesn't matter what year it is. Here he is taken as a tight end three. He's always top five. Uh, Kenny Britt yeah. and Cecil Shorts. Kenny Britt in a contract year. You hope that, you know, what we saw at the latter part of that season, there's a lot of saying, people saying that the new, Ken, the old Kenny Britt is kind of back. Uh, Mike, what do you think about uh, that team so far with, that Billy has? He's got four wide receivers, two running backs, and a tight end. Well, you know, like I said, Scott, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate his team. Uh, I love the Jason Witten pick in round five. I mean, that's perfect, man. You got you solidify your tight end right there. Um, not to mention Roddy White, Pierre Gasson, uh right in front of you, along with two good running backs. But, you know, I, I like Kenny Britt. And I like Cecil Shorts, but they're—I'm just kind of worried about them. Um, I would like to see him get another running back. And now, if you're in that position in round eight, you know, on the on the back end of round eight, 
what kind of running backs are available. I mean, let's face it. You look at a lot of mock drafts, how many running backs are available to you at the back end of round eight? Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna start getting thin really really fast. You're already seeing it with Mendenhall and Andre Brown in the eighth round. So that's where we're at with running backs. You have to. It's always nice to go ahead and get those guys uh, a little bit early because again, the depth at wide receiver. Uh, there's not a lot of questions about uh, some of these wide receivers I'm seeing in the in the seventh round. Look at Gordon and Tate. We'll talk about Mike Williams, Steve Johnson. These are all guys that are pretty much Dom. They're gonna be contributors on your team. Now they may not be every week studs. But there's not a lot of guys that are at this late in the draft. Hey, Scott, something I've noticed uh, throughout rounds three, four, five, and six, and now we're into round eight, is the quarterbacks are starting to get uh, kind of sprinkled in. I mean, we've, we've seen a uh, Rogers, Breeze, Manning, uh, Cam, uh, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, uh, Matt Stafford, you know, so maybe the uh, quarterbacks are, you know, there's no quarterback run, so to speak. I mean, they just got kind of sprinkled in. Can you hear me okay, Mike? Yes. Can you hear me okay. fine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're loud and clear now. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, look, the wide receivers all, all around here, there, there's a lot going. There's a lot to like about these couple of rounds. I absolutely am a fan of just about every name. And, Don, I'm going to ask you. There's not a lot of names in the 6th, 7th, and 8th round that I'm not a fan of this year. I want these wide receivers on my team more than I want the wide receivers that I'm seeing on the 5th round. 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, let me ask you a question. Kenny Britt or or Miles Austin, which one would you rather have, Dom? I would take Austin for who's at QB and also for consistency. I mean, the problem with Britt is, of course, it's locker throwing the ball. And... You know, I'm not disputing the talent with Britt. I mean, that's what you have to go for, and that's why he's a six-round value now. But, uh, yeah, I would still go with Austin. I mean, you got to expect some problems with Austin, but he's still a producer. It's not going to be a stud, but he's going to produce. Mikey, T.Y. Hilton or Stevie Johnson? Did we lose Mike? We lost Mike again. You know, this is about the time. I'm just, I'm just gonna buzz him. As soon as he gets back, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask him a question, Dom. That's what we're gonna do tonight. I'm gonna ask him a question, and then as soon as he gets back and he starts to answer it, I'm gonna buzz him. That's what he's gonna get. What? Uh, oh, Mike, Mike, are you there? Yeah. Oh, we were asking. Yeah, we wanted to know your opinion, man. We value your opinion here on Red versus Blue. The fans were asking in the chat room if you prefer T.Y. Hilton. Or Stevie Johnson. They're really interested in what, what your answer is. Ow, ow, man, that's close. That's, that's... And I have the power of the mute button, Dom. So he just got buzzed and he's on mute. He can go run and get himself another beer when I ask him a question. Because I'm going to turn it over to you, Dom, ask you that question, and we'll get Mike back on. T.Y. Hilton or Stevie Johnson? Right now, I would say T.Y. Hilton, but you're the guy with the intel in Indianapolis, so you tell me the little insight there, because there was a lot of, you know, debate on Twitter about Hilton, uh, Hayward Bay. What's the real story there? Yeah. Well, I think I like whatever. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Wait, who you like, Steve Johnson? I like Stevie Johnson. 
I'm sorry I had to do that to you, Mike, but look, it's just, it just comes a time. Hey, Scott, it's been a couple weeks. You had to do it. I like Stevie Johnson. I really do. You know, I like Stevie Johnson, but I don't like Kevin Cobb. That's the problem. I think you give me – this question comes down to Andrew Luck or Kevin Cobb, and it's a no-brainer. T.Y. Hilton had a fantastic rookie year. The kids surprised all of us. We thought he was just a deep threat. He's much more than a deep threat. With the fact that Reggie Wayne is still a solid contributor, but he is on the downward slope of his career. He's not on the – he has already reached his peak. We all agree. So he's on the downward trend. Hilton is ascending. Hilton should improve. Darius Hayward Bay – Look, I don't think anybody's uh, under any illusion that Darius Hayward Bay is going to come in and be a huge contributor here. He can be a nice role player. He can be somebody that can, you know, get deep on on some balls. But that's really what he brings to the table. T.Y. Hilton brings a complete game to the table. A little bit small, but in in today's NFL, that's okay. You can't touch the wide receivers anyway. I love T.Y. Hilton. The fact that he's getting him in the sixth round and it's his four aces full, Frank Mascow, he's on a mission. Scott, I disagree with you on uh, Darius, Darius Hayward Bay. I think it's going to be a huge impact. I think it's going to he may he may outpoint T. Y. Hilton straight up. All right, I, I, I'm going to put this on record. Darius Hayward Bay may him no he will outpoint T. Y. Hilton. Okay. Darius Hayward Bay will outpoint T.Y. Hill. What is today's? August 10th. Okay, I'm writing that down. Uh, my pen's out of ink. Okay, let's try again. Get a, give me another pen. Okay, here it is. Okay. Darius, Mike Prince says Darius Hayward. This is just going uh, – This is. I've got this little sheet here, and uh, I, I need to post a picture of it for everybody at home, but it's called the Mike Wall of Shame. <clears throat> and it all started with uh, – it all started with audio files. We've got them archived. We have all kinds of uh, – we have we have Mike announcements, Mike promises, Mike guarantees. Here's one that I never will forget. And, and the thing is, I'm thinking about should I show mercy on you? Should I start Benson and show mercy, or should I start Terrain and really just hammer you down? I don't know what to do. I I don't know. Part of me feels like mercy. Part of me feels like, eh, go ahead and start Benson and just win by ten, twelve points. You think you think you're gonna you think you're gonna beat me? Hey, Dom, I'll tell you right now, I'm taking Darius Hayward Bay versus T.Y. Hilton. I think you guys need to add a little bit of music to those clips and uh, make a YouTube video. That would be great. <laughs> RG3 is the <laughs> first uh, of those young quarterbacks to go off the board after the question was asked in the chat room. There you go, RG3 in the ninth. Dom, it is a little bit funny to me. It's a little bit funny to me. That Matt Bailey, our 2012 fantasy football world champion, he won $200,000. I think by now, because of what our players mean to us, everybody knows the name Matt Bailey. From Natick, Boston, near Boston, Massachusetts, uh, winner of $200,000. If you haven't read his story that's on FF Toolbox, you want to just go to the search bar at the top of FF Toolbox and type in Matt Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-Y. He drafted RG3 last year in the 11th round. And what happened was it led to his title. It led to a $200,000 check for Matt Bailey. He's healthy now. He looks like he's running all around the field. It looks like he's back. Now, I know what people are going to say. He's not going to be able to run the ball. What, do you, what, what is your take on RG3 in the ninth round? 
I think that's perfect value at this point. I mean, that's that's a blessing. Just go for it in the ninth. Um, you know, you got a lot of value at quarterback this year. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of consistency at quarterback too, whereas, you know, tight end is a little bit more difficult, I think, because it's very difficult to get a tight end that's going to give you good production every week. You know, you're going to get the boom and bust um, guys, but – um, there's just a very few tight ends that are going to produce, and there's a lot of quarterback this year that are going to do probably very well, a lot more in the past few years. And it's very hard when you do average value theory to just rely on the last three or five years at the quarterback position and say it's going to be the same because last year was kind of special, and it should carry on to this year. Yeah, this is a year that the NFL, we, we know what's happening. This is a passing league. They have became a passing league, and the stats prove it. Last year, in 2012, there were 13 quarterbacks over 300 points. 21 of them were over 270. Mike, what's that tell you? There's no difference in that drop-down. Years past, in 2011, 10 quarterbacks over 300, only 14 over 270. That has a 50% increase. Now, you can talk about the no-contact rule for wide receivers uh, from beyond the five yards. You can talk about the the hits and the penalties uh, when when you hit the quarterback and the fines. You can talk about the coaching philosophies uh, in the oh. spread offenses in the in high school and to prepare quarterbacks for this game. That's increased quarterback awareness. Everything points to quarterback scoring going up, and every team is ending up with a, a 250-point quarterback nowadays. Mike, so is there a reason – to take a Rodgers and a – well, Rodgers and Breeze are kind of the exceptions to me. Maybe even Peyton. Those are the guys that have like 400-point potential. I, maybe even Cam Newton, you know, but he's got a little bit of risk. But everybody else, there's so many quarterbacks. You can see why a guy like Billy Waugh sitting in the two-hole would take Andrew Luck after the run of quarterbacks because Brady went, Romo went, RG3. He's like, you know what, if I don't take one here – I might get screwed because he took the 10th quarterback off the board. There's a chance that some other guys took him, and now you're ending up at the 13 or 14. And that's another strategy here for uh, that we can talk about later in the show. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that's something I was going to comment on. I mean, uh, Billy Wallace sitting at uh, draft number uh, the number two spot in his eighth and ninth round. He got a starting running back. And a starting quarterback that could post bigger numbers. Okay, okay. Than... Tell everybody what you mean by starting running back. Let's not get carried away here. You said you said Ronnie Hillman is a starting running back. He may be Correct. a starting running back. Is he a finishing running back? Is he a running back that's going to get touchdowns? Is he going to get part-time work? Everybody assumes that Monty Ball is going to be the guy that closes the season out and closes drives and closes touchdowns. But you're right. He is a starting but, running back. Based on Billy's draft, you know, I, I kept uh, telling him after the second or after the third, fourth round, I said, dude, you got Doug Martin and Daryl Sproles. I mean, I love them both, but uh, you need to fill yourself another running back. Well, what he did was he did that. He went ahead and got Ronnie Hillman, which I figure is a starting running back for Denver. I mean, he's going to be fine. So, By the way, is he going to get – nah, he might get a few here or there, but he might get some breakout ones, and then he's going to follow it up with uh, Andrew Luck. 
Toffington in the chat room. Ruglin just hit another 50-yarder. I know he's only a kicker, but it would be pretty cool if he beats out Acres. We're talking about kickers in the chat room. Uh, Mike, we're, we're, we're losing our audience. That's that's all that can mean. Ryan Broyles was taken hey, at kickers the 8-12. I'm not talking about saying? kickers. <laughs> said kickers are people, too. There's T-shirts. Kickers are people, too. <laughs> Ryan Broyles at he's 8-12. Uh, I like the fact that uh, Mike backed up his wide receivers and he makes his strengths stronger. I really like Ryan Royals, what he brings to the table as the uh, 44th wide receiver off the board. I know that it says 41. You have to look at the even numbers. you got to kind of go backwards here until we get this bug worked out. We have dispatched highly trained monkeys to fix that problem, but it looks like it's, uh, they're having, it's, it's giving them some fits. So back to Billy Waz, Martin, Sproles, and Hillman. Roddy, Garcon, Britt, and Short, if it weren't for the concussions, Short would be probably a third or fourth round pick after what he showed us last year. He showed us everything you could possibly want out of a wide receiver, receptions, targets, yards per catch, yards after catch, and touchdowns. He dominated everything he did with a quarterback named Chad Henney. The fact that he's going in the seventh round this year is only an indictment against his concussions. And is it, a, is it a problem that we're going to see some more of? Because you could be wasting a pick. I think he's got a baby skull. That's what I think. I think he's got a baby skull. When it hits, when it hits turf, when it takes a bad hit, that's when he starts to see the lights. And I would love to get a guy like Chris Coleman from BFD Fantasy, our friends. Shout out to Joe Jefferson and, and Lou Tranquilli, the BFD Fantasy, and Dave Turf. Uh, they will have Chris Coleman on their show this, prob- uh, this week on Wednesday night. We'll be able to ask him questions like, what about Cecil Shorts? Is that an, you know, concussions? Is that something that's going to repeatedly happen? Because in the seventh round, Dom, Cecil Shorts from last year, absolute steal if he does, if he doesn't have concussions, we know what he does, even with a healthy Blackman. And there is no Blackman in the first four weeks. Nope. And I agree with that pick because, you know, you take a risk with Nelson in the fifth, you got to be ready to take uh a risk with shorts in the seventh. I mean, it's not the same teams have drafted both guys, but you know, the funny thing about concussions, I had a few in my life, and um, the very first one I had was a very violent collision. I missed a month of work, and uh, the second one I had was almost nothing. And that's that's the thing. I mean, if you have a very bad concussion, I think it takes almost nothing to get a second one or a third one. But you know, we say that about shorts. We could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, but nobody's talking about it anymore. And that's probably because of the QB positions. But in my opinion, it doesn't matter. It's how you get hit, and often it's how weird you get hit. And concussions can happen from any angle. Billy Wallace has a really good team. Andrew Luck as his quarterback, Jason Witten as his tight end. No real weakness except for Britt and Shorts possibly not being who we think they they will be this year. I would go to war with Billy Waz's team, and I seem to say that a lot uh, about Billy Waz's drafts. We do have a lot to cover, guys. We've got to cover 10 more teams in the next 40 minutes. That's four minutes per team, so here we go. Jason Duvall, Brothers Mayhem. You can always find him on the message board at FF Toolbox talking about some fun and adventurous activities for all of us that are too old to enjoy them. Jamal Charles and Chris Johnson in the first two rounds. Rob Gronkowski we talked about already. Frank Gore is his Third running backs, look, even if Frank Gore is not completely the Frank Gore of days past, when you can get him as the RB23 on the board and he was a top 10 running back last year, we didn't see any decline in Frank Gore 
I know everybody wanted to see a decline in Frank Gore, and I don't want to typically be the guy holding Frank Gore and having him on my team when the decline happens, but he hasn't showed us the decline yet. So RB3 is fine. The question is, when you build your team like this, Mr. Brothers Mayhem, Mr. Jason Duvall, what's going to happen to your wide receiver core? So let's see what he puts together. He has to start three every single week. You ready? Miles Austin, Golden Tate, and Alshon Jeffrey. Beautiful. Beautiful. In my opinion, that's that, that's beautiful, Scott. I mean, he just set he, he set himself up and was able to get uh, get wide receivers the way he wanted them, and not to not to mention slide in a Tony Romo there. You're fired. I don't know how many times I can. You're fired. Mike. You're fired. That's you're fired. The worst advice. You're fired. In opinion, I've ever heard. First of all, if Brothers Mayhem would call this show right now, I guarantee you what he'd say is he hates that set of wide receivers to count on every single week. There's no way a Miles Austin, and I love Golden Tate. I love him. And you, I think everybody knows if you've listened to Red vs. Blue what I feel about Golden Tate. I think it's stars aligned. It's talent plus opportunity plus pedigree plus what? What's the other one? Uh, contract contract year. Stars right, aligned right, for Golden right, Tate, right? right. I'm sorry, man. You are so far off. This is we're only coming up on round ten. This guy has I mean, he he's gonna load up on a, a lot more wide receivers and he's fine. He is fine. You're fired. You're still fired. Dom, I would uh, I'm gonna ask, you know, this this reminds me of the days when I was really cocky and young and, and walking into the world championship of fantasy football what? years and years ago. And and I would walk in there and I said, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do in a draft. And I'm going to come out of my draft with Jerry Porter and Brandon Lloyd back when he was Brandon Lloyd and Ashley Lalee. Those were my wide receivers. And I'm like, ha, 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 I got these guys, man. You guys don't even know. Some people know, but I know. What do you think, uh, you know, when you – it looks a little gutsy to me. Yeah, it's gutsy, but I think he may have decided, you know, it's – all happened in the fourth round. You got Frank Gore falling to him, and the decision has to be made. You know, do you take Frank Gore, or you let him pass, and well, then you go over or something else? Because we, we decided to... to go Vernon Davis. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. I'm with you. Oh, okay. I can hear you. I think yeah, I think you were cutting out a little bit. I don't know if it was me or you. Hopefully, if if if, if you hear me cut out, just take over the show, and I'll call in. On a landline. Oh, then he goes Brian Hardline. Then he goes Brian Hardline. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So here was, here was my advice for Jason Duvall, Mr. Brothers Mayhem. This was the beginning of the show when I said sometimes you have to turn down the best player because it's not the best player for your team. He should have taken a wide receiver when he took Frank Gore. Or he should have taken a wide receiver once he already had a tight end that he's already putting going to bed with and Rob Gronkowski. He's already crossing his fingers that Gronk's the guy. You take two tight ends, you're going to be hurting here. And you take a, a quarterback. So you've taken two tight ends and a quarterback, three non-running back and wide receiver positions in the first eight rounds. You listen to me, Brothers Mayhem. The next time in Roto Bowl, you don't do this. Don't do this because – I, I've been where you've been. 
This is the feel, felt, found technique right here. I know what you're talking about. I know you love Golden Tate. I know you love Alshon Jeffrey. You probably feel like Miles Austin is undervalued. I've been there before, buddy. I know how it feels to feel like you're right on all these guys. But there's no reason to take that kind of risk in a draft like this. You don't have to take that kind of risk. Your first and foremost well, goal on, in this on, draft whoa, 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 is to whoa, win your whoa, league. Well, Scott, uh, is, is Brian Hartline worth a 10th-round pick? Sure. Okay. That's what he did. He's taking care yeah. of things right now. I, I I like his draft so far. I really I'm not do. saying it's over. I'm not saying it's over, but I'm saying uh, he's got a, he's got a a lot of work to do to cook that bird. You know, it's not. It, Thanksgiving dinner is coming. He's everybody's piling into the house. They're all getting ready to eat, and that and and he's looking at it, and he's like, the thing's not. I got a lot of work to do in a short little bit of time to do it. He better get it done, and, and I don't know where it's going to come from at this point because starting three wide receivers is a must every week, and you got to get through bye weeks, and you got to get through injuries, and you're going to have bad weeks. So unless these guys become the future stars in the NFL, which Golden Tate could be, you know, you, I'm on record about Golden Tate, but unless Miles Austin comes back from the dead and unless Alshon Jeffrey becomes a, a stud because Brandon Marshall goes down and unless Brian Hartline is – the real deal for Ryan Tannehill. You've got a lot of unlesses. So let's move on. Brothers uh, Mayhem, you have, there's a chance. There's a chance. I'm just saying it feels like it's when I was uh, when I was uh, younger and I was taking a lot of chances. Hey, Dom, uh, what, do you, what do you think about uh, Alshon Jeffrey real quick? Well, I like Jeffrey and his system and his talent. I mean, when I look at Brothers Mayhem's team, it's basically you have to hope that Davis is going to produce like Crabtree. And if he does, then you get better value. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I understand what Scott is saying. And, you know, I like to load up a little bit more at the right receiver myself. But All right. to each his own. Well, so. we, we have to have somebody steering this ship, and uh, that's what I have to do. We have to get through all 12 players. So, Mike, uh, we're going to have to really hustle on this next one. Let's see what you got. What do you think here of Bronx Bombers and Jason Webster? Uh, starting at the eighth round, quarterback Tom Brady. You got to love getting Tom Brady in the eighth round. I don't care what they say mm-hmm. about him and what talents he doesn't have to throw to. He made, uh, he made uh, what's his name Brown. What was his name? Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers uh, the wide receiver from years ago. He turned him into a superstar. He made Deion Branch look good, right? Um, yeah. So Tom Brady in the eighth round, tremendous value. Uh, we look at Spiller. Murray, Bernard, a little bit of risk there, but a whole lot of upside. I can definitely live with Murray as a two. I can. I love. Everybody knows I love Giovanni Bernard as my three this year in the sixth round. It looks a little late to me actually getting him at RB twenty nine. Larry Fitzgerald, Hockey Mix, Eric Decker, Josh Gordon, okay, Chris Givens, Ruben Randall, those wide receivers. That is a thing of beauty there. Fitz, Nix, Decker, Gordon, you're missing out a couple games. Until that time, you throw in a Chris Givens, maybe throw in a Reuben Randall or something to get you through. The fact that he took Reuben Randall, he has him for Hakeem Nix because if he loses Hakeem Nix in his fourth-round pick, Dom, he has a replacement in Reuben Randall. And I think everybody knows and what, what the consensus is that Reuben Randall would be able to step in, maybe not replace Nix, 
but he'd be a very serviceable wide receiver three in this league. He could be a top 15 wide receiver. Yeah, and depending on how hurt Nix is, Randall could actually step in for him and do just as well. Very good pick for him. He waited and waited and waited, got, uh, got his tight end in uh, Pettigrew. So, uh, you know, looks like a pretty solid team there uh, that Jason's put together. Yeah, Pettigrew is a very uh, very good player for the 11th round. And I like that Chris Gibbons. I think that's that we saw it again last night. It's like every game well, we, we know we're going to get a 40- or 50-yard bomb out of this guy. I think that there's no reason that that won't continue. Chris Givens is probably a little bit of undervalued right now. Now, it's wide receiver 46. And if we look at our ADP here on fftoolbox.com, where do we see Chris Givens at? We're going to have to keep going down the list, aren't we? He's he's down here. Okay, ADP of 55. ADP of 55. So already we're seeing a little bit of a bump just on 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 the games from last night. But, very good performance for Jason and uh, newcomer here to uh, Red versus Blue and to the FFWC. I like to see uh, new players jumping in. Now, the fifth team here on the board is Aces Full, Frank Matzkow. Let's see what he was able to pull off. Eli Manning in the 11th. You know what? He waited. He's the last guy to get a quarterback. Is that right? Or no? Uh, yes, he is the last guy, right? Okay, yeah. He's the last guy to get a quarterback. Be the last guy. If you're not first or second, be last. Now, he missed it by one. He missed it by one. If he could have got been the 12th guy to get a quarterback, uh, unfortunately, Z-Man, Rob Zarzicki, takes Colin Kaepernick backing up Cam Newton. And I'm a fan of that format when I'm playing against 11 other teams, especially when I'm trying to win my league. I don't mind that move so much. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. I don't want to get to Rob yet. We're going to get, we're going to get Rob his time here. Uh so let's start with this. Eli Manning at quarterback. Foster, Reggie Bush at one and two. Great. Take both of those, especially in PPR. Mark Ingram as my three. Ben Tate as my four. You have to have it for Foster, so good job there. Pierre Thomas for five. I love the Thomas pick. Matter of fact, I like the Thomas pick more than the Ingram pick. I would prefer Pierre Thomas Dom over Mark Ingram. It seems like everybody that drafted Ingram last year regretted it. And then the receivers, Cruz, Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, T.Y. Hilton. He's solid through four. So if you look at this, his flex is Hilton, and his other flex is Ingram or Pierre Thomas. What do you think, Tom? Oh, I totally agree on the Pierre Thomas um, comment. And if you know, want to know why, go listen to Jules McLean uh, podcast, uh, Fancy Freaking Football, the recent one. She mm-hmm. has a very insightful a little tidbit on Ingram, and uh, that made me mm. switch sides, let's say. Mm, boy, you got me interested in the Fantasy Freaking Football podcast. Jules McClain and Garrett, that team, a great podcast to listen to. I'll have to get over there and listen to that. We have Pierre Thomas slotted for about 150 carries this year. He's an also a reception guy, and he's also he can get his fair share of TV. He's a really do-it-all type of player, so I'm I'm, I'm a fan of that guy. I think he can be a serviceable a, a flex option for you in this format, especially when you're asking a lot. And he's got T.Y. Hilton as a flex, so we've already, we already know what I think about that. So Pierre Thomas is his other flex. Hilton and Thomas, for me, are his two flex. Martellus Bennett is his tight end, and Eli Manning is his quarterback. Again, I love the strategy of waiting on quarterback and tight end. And I think even though he missed out on one of the top 12 quarterbacks, I can live with Eli Manning as my QB1. I don't, I'm don't. i not happy about it, 
I can live with it because he will be okay. He'll be up near the top 12. I would have rather gotten one of the 12. Sometimes that happens, though, if somebody takes two. Mike, are you blowing your nose into the phone now? Is is What are you doing now with the phone? What's going on with the phone? I'm moving it. I don't. I I, I personally don't like his team at all. Uh, I just uh, you know I don't like the fact that uh, he waited and waited and waited. Uh, I would have moved up a little bit further. Uh, you know, before Martell Bennett. I mean Jerry Jerry Cook. I mean I would take Jerry Cook in in front of uh, Martell Bennett. Uh, that's just my opinion. IPS driver says Troy Brown in the chat room for what I was saying uh, to Tom Brady earlier. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I couldn't think of Troy Brown. Uh, let's move on. Team six. We've got 30 minutes left to go on the show. Glenration X, Glenn Lowy, one of the guys who almost took down a big one a couple years ago. Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Very happy about that. Marshawn Lynch, Darren McFadden, Lamar Miller, Jonathan Franklin as a four. Okay. You know what? Lynch falling this far is pretty ridiculous, Tom. 2-7, uh, that's a little too far for Marshawn Lynch, no matter what draft I'm seeing. That's probably the latest I've ever seen Marshawn Lynch fall. Darren McFadden at 3-6, that's about the right spot. If he can stay healthy, he's going to outperform that spot. We all know that he's just another DeMarco Murray. You flip a coin if, if those guys can make it through the season. Lamar Miller in the fourth round. What happened to Lamar Miller, Dom? I mean, the fumble? Is going to drop him down to four seven? Wasn't he the wasn't he the darling the last couple of weeks? You've been involved and you've seen all these drafts. He's been going into the second, early third, and now he's already fallen to the the middle of the fourth. What, what's going on there? One preseason game and that's it, eh? And I don't know what happened there, but Lynch falling to the two seven, Lamar yeah. Miller to the four seven. I mean, you know, happy birthday, Glenn, because wow. Glenn is getting out the net, man. We call that the value net. Glenn just got out the net and took the value at Lynch. He took the value on Miller. And then let's see what he does at the, the wide receiver two spot. He takes Torrey Smith. You know, I'm looking at the other wide receivers on the board there. I almost have to do it. He he missed he missed Decker by two picks. Uh, Wallace, I'm not a big fan of. It's like Wallace and Smith are kind of the same guy. They're one-trick ponies. Deshaun Jackson looked pretty good tonight, too. It was kind of, uh, but he, again, those are those deep ball guys. You can't get too carried away with what you see in the preseason. I would have almost preferred at that point to say, you know what, I'm just going to try to find a, I'm going to try to roll with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, but look, you get Torrey Smith, I'm probably okay with that, especially the fact that Baltimore doesn't have a lot of weapons. Uh, Mike Williams, Justin Blackman, you know what, I love Blackman as a fourth wide receiver because he's going to be out some games. He's not going to have him. He is going to find a way, or, or Glenn's got to find a way to back him up. So he's not depending on him for the first four, first four games of the year since he is off on suspension. So what is he going to do? He's going to start Lamar Miller as his first flex, right? He's going to start Torrey Smith and Mike Williams. I can live with that. Two and three, I'm fine with that. Jared Cook is his answer. There you go. See, he puts a solid tight end in there. And, again, here I am buying into the, the, the freaking Jared Cook hype. Every year it's the same story. We hear what he's doing in camp. He looks fantastic. He's well, yelling. All the beat reporters are on him, Mike. And then what happens in the regular season? Now, are you a Cook believer this year? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? I'm going to continue to drink the uh, Jerry Cook uh, Kool-Aid, but I'm not drinking the Lamar Miller Kool-Aid. Uh, I, I haven't been a believer. Uh, if you listen to our uh, Red versus Blue podcast uh, the last three weeks, I have not been a believer in Lamar Miller. So Why? Why? 
because he makes mistakes over and over and over again. He's not. There's gonna there's gonna be issues there to where you can't rely on him. You you think you can rely on Daniel Thomas? I don't know, but they can't rely on uh, Lamar Miller right now. No. Sometimes they gotta rely on. Sometimes bad teams have to rely on anybody they can, and and I don't uh, I don't quite believe the indictment against Lamar Miller that you do. He did fumble. David Wilson fumbled. Will he be in the doghouse all year? I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, he has to he has to definitely take care of the ball. Very good effort for Glenn Lowy here. I love the fact that he was able to take care of that issue, get three solid running backs with the best wide receiver in the game. Uh, that's a very good team and going to be a contender in my book. Big Fish is next up on the uh, review here at Red versus Blue. Charles Ricker. We haven't really got to go down on this side of the draft. So, guys, in the second half of the draft, we're here for you the last 30 minutes. Of the show. Trent Richardson, Steven Jackson as running backs. Eddie Lacy is my three. I'm loving Eddie Lacy as a three in the sixth round. Are you kidding me? And then Danny Woodhead in the ninth. Dom, here's a guy I want you to talk about. Speak on Danny Woodhead, man, because everybody's talking about Woodhead maybe catching 50 or 60 balls this year, maybe being a guy that you can count on in a PPR format. What do you think of your – what's your take on Danny Woodhead? Well, they still have the bad O-line, so you're going to have to rely on the short passing game, and that's yeah. Woodhead's game. The question I have with Woodhead is, what's the mysterious injury or what we've seen on Twitter this week? Because there's no information coming out, and that's usually not good news. Yeah, and Danny Woodhead is a guy that career, he was always averaging 11 yards per catch in the New England offense. I think he's going to feel a little bit differently uh, in the San Diego offense, especially without – uh, a lot of, uh, you know, you already got Denarius Alexander injury. Antonio Gates apparently sounds uh, looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, and now you're counting on Vincent Brown. It would be nice to talk about some of these guys we haven't had a chance to yet. Oh, uh, Brown. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is Charles's quarterback. He's got Richardson, Steven Jackson, Lacey, Woodhead, and Bryce Brown. Good set of running backs, man. Five good wide running backs. Let's see what he did at wide receiver, Mike. Amendola in the fourth. I can believe in that. I can take him as my number one. Strangely enough, I can take Amendola as my one. However, I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared to count on him and all the injuries that the risk that he that he um, you know brings to the table. Every year, we look at Amendola. The games he plays, fantastic. Even with a Sam Bradford, you give him a Tom Brady, he's got a hundred catch upside and more, right? So if he can stay healthy, Amendola is tremendous value in the fourth round. Can he stay healthy is the question, because now he's your number one wide receiver. Good luck with that. That's right. You know, and, and you know, it seems coming into uh, training camp and everything like that, everybody's talking about Amendola's going to be uh, the new Russ Welker. Well, if he's not, then uh, let's face it, Charles, he, he's got to rely on uh, Greg Jennings, Stevie Johnson, which I like Stevie Johnson, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So, uh, you know, that's pretty thin pickings uh, uh, right there. So, uh, but if Amendola and uh, the Tom Brady experience works out, then, uh, you know, he's going to look like he's going to look pretty good. Uh, so we've have we have him finish up his team here with Stevie Johnson and Emmanuel Sanders and Greg Jennings. Those are his other wide. Well, let me go back in order. Amendola, Jennings is a two. Stevie Johnson is a three. I like him as a three. Emmanuel Sanders as a four. I'm a fan of that, too. There's nothing wrong with Emmanuel Sanders. He's likely going to step into that Mike Wallace role and be asked to be Mike Wallace. Whether or not he can be that, 
I don't know, but there's a lot of yards to go around in Pittsburgh, especially for a team with young, unproven running backs. I'm I'm not I'm okay with that. I think Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to outproduce his ADP. Uh, wide receiver 43, or let's see, what is it? One two. So we got one two. Okay, yeah, 40, 44. Um, I think or 43. Yeah, I can I can live with that. I can live with uh, Emmanuel Sanders coming off of the board okay. in the eighth round. I love the running no, back. He okay. had Aaron Rodgers. He's got everything you could ask for. And look, Tyler Eifert. Here's here's where you start to get a little uh, a little gutsy here. He took he waited on tight ends. He waited on a guy that he believes in. He got Tyler Eifert. Is he the guy? We'll wait and see. At least he yeah. when he took Aaron Rodgers, he saw he said to himself, you know what, self, I can't. I've got to wait on my tight end. Because if I if I take a quarterback and a tight end early, I might be in trouble. I've got to fill an eleven man lineup, and that's what he did. He stuck to his guns. Now the question is, is Eifert good enough to step in? If it were me, Dom, even though I'm not high on Antonio Gates, I may have taken Gates there and just crossed my fingers that one of Fleener, Cameron, or Eifert made it back to me. Yeah, there's still a lot of value at tight end, like. It's all a question of your personal preference when it comes to who's going to be the sleeper candidate. Last year, I took Heath Miller in most of my drafts, and he was like a top four tight end in the end, but uh, he's not there this year. You can't count on this guy, so you got to dig somewhere. Gates is a good target since DX went down because well, they need a big boy in the end zone. And he's yeah, and he had target. no idea. He had no idea that the, the tight ends were going to go that fast. So I, I can live with that. I like Eifert. I think he can be a very good weapon right out of the gate. A lot of people are saying, look, you still have Jermaine Gresham to contend with. I understand that. I know that that's a possibility. We talked about that with Ben Standig and Brian Murphy on the uh, FF Toolbox uh, hangout yesterday uh, as part of Google+. And I just said, look, I think what they're going to do is they're going to use Eifert like they're supposed to. There's no real wide receiver two there in Cincinnati. You're going to line him out out wide. You're pro- he's probably going to outperform what most people expect him because he's just so good. Everybody in the country watches Notre Dame games. It's not because I'm from Indiana. I did watch a lot of games, but everybody around the country watches Notre Dame. So they saw the same thing we did. We saw an unstoppable force out there on the field. Did we not? He's coming to Cincinnati with Andy Dalton, and it's Andy Dalton's job to really show us now. They gave him all the weapons. Here's Bernard. Here's Eifert. You've got A.J. Green. You've got Gresham. Uh, we've got you a grinder here in, in Ben Jarvis. We've given you everything you need. Now go do something with it. I think he's going to do something with it. He's going to throw to these guys, and I don't think he's going to go to any one guy more than the next. It's going to be to whoever's open is going to get the ball. And if you're Eifert, nobody can stop you. Those guys can't stop Eifert. He's that bad. He's he's pretty. He's really just that bad. He's that guy. I would love to get my hands on Eifert in any dynasty league possible, but I think it's going to be probably sooner than later on Eifert, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now uh, that Eifert is going to be a weapon. Bernard's going to be a weapon. Uh, Bernard's going to be a weapon out of the backfield. People think that, well, he's just going to be a runner. No. I mean, he's going to do so many things that that's just going to electrify Cincinnati's offense. Cincinnati's defense is very good. They're going to give the ball to the offense as much as possible. And, you know, that's that's just going to make that offense much more deadlier. I, You know, I, right now I'm looking at Cincinnati. Anybody on Cincinnati's offense, I'm looking at picking them up quick. Dom, you feel the same way? What do you, what, 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 what's your take on Cincinnati? 
Well, I see that a lot of people are on high on the uh, the receivers, the running back, the tight end, but still waiting to see if they're just as high on the QB. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, it could be a breakout year for Dalton, but nobody's really talking about it. Or... Nobody's talking about him. You're right. Nobody's talking about him. And he's the 12th best quarterback last year, and he faded in the second half of the stretch. The guy was on pace for probably a top eight finish. And finished as number twelve, and now everybody's ready to dispute, you know, dismiss him as being a top twelve guy. I don't, I don't quite understand what's not to understand. He had one bad playoff game. What's that? I think it's because of the bad playoff game. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) We're still waiting for a good playoff game. What, 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 what what makes your offense better? What makes your uh, fantasy players better? Is a great defense. Am I correct? Yep. If you have a defense, if if you pick two or three players on a, a particular team in fantasy football, how are those players going to be beneficial to your fantasy team? A great defense. Cincinnati has a great defense. They sure do. And uh, so we'll see. You still have Gresham to contend with. Gresham has done what no other Cincinnati tight end has ever done, and that's catch the amount of balls that he has in the first two, two years. But – I like the style here. If you're going to take Rodgers, you wait on your tight end. He did that. You can disagree with the picks, but I'm not going to disagree with him too much. Very good effort here. Z-Men, one of the more accomplished high-stakes players in the industry that we've had in, in, a, in a long time. Several top five finishes there in the World Championship early years. And uh, one heck of a good player. I owe a very good uh, call on Reggie Bush in Week 16 to Mr. Z-Men, even though uh, – uh, I, we were all. T- it was some very good advice. Reggie Bush uh, in Week 16 won me a nice little, uh, nice little check last year. Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick. He probably has the best set of quarterbacks in the league. You can't, you can't dispute anything about Kaepernick being your number two. I don't know what you're going to do with it. I, and this is the strategy I was going to talk about earlier, Dom. In a, in a, when you're trying to win your league and that's your main priority, this is a defensive strategy. Period. Point blank. One of these guys is going to rot on his bench all year long, and it's probably going to cause him fits every year. He's probably going to start the wrong guy. He didn't do it for that reason. He did it to block somebody and and to cause one other team to not be in contention. And maybe he looked at the team that didn't have a quarterback, let's say Aces Full. He looked at that team and said, and maybe even the other team, Glenoration X, Glenn Lowy. There's two teams. He couldn't stop uh, Russell Wilson from going. So he's, he's looking at uh, Aces Full and saying, you know what, if I can stop one of these guys from getting a quarterback, which in hindsight, being 2020, very smart of Glenn Lowy to take Russell Wilson because if he didn't, he was getting Eli Manning. Uh, that's why you have to look at your tiers. And I'm sure he was looking at the tier and saying, oh, there's one left. Oh, there's one guy that doesn't have one. I've got to take him now. Good move, Glenn Lowy. But it's a defensive move because you're, you're just going to waste the points. I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand it. Uh, in a league where – in a league where you're playing against 11 other people, I get it. In a league where you're trying to beat 1,000 other teams, I don't like it. I'll just say that on record, Rob. You heard it from me. I don't like it when you're trying to beat 1,000 teams. If it's an individual 12-man league, uh, Dom, I like the move. What do you What do you say? Well, it's like being at the bar late and there's 12 odd girls there and you get a chance to bring back two home at the right value. You know, why not? <laughs> but... Uh... It is late. You know, it, it is late in the evening. You know, uh, we're talking about Mr. ZVBD here. Um, you know, right. Drafting to win. Great book. That's For right. anybody listening that wants to take a PhD in value-based drafting, go get Rob's book. Uh, 
drafting to win. It's uh, ZVBD. That's right. That's right. Well, look, you authors, all you authors, stick together here. You plug your book. He plugged his book. I don't have a book. I'll never have a book. Uh, I, I bet you, you know, will. You know, One thing about you know you have to understand that uh, you know you are drafting for your team. You're drafting to get the best player available. But you also have to understand that you're drafting against 11 other co- competitors. So it wouldn't – I mean, mm-hmm. I, could, I could do that. <laughs> what were you saying, uh, Don? Uh, I was just going to um, talk more about uh, the, the team here, team composition, because outside the two QBs being picked, I really like the composition in general. Um you look at it, you know, Ray Rice, Jones Drew, Mendenhall, so he's got three running backs he can rely on. Mendenhall is iffy, but, you know, he's still a starter right now. And he's pretty good at wide receiver. He's got strong quarterback. He's taking his chances with the tight end, so you got a contender here. We are looking, uh, again, when you get Colin Kaepernick in the 10th round, I think this is a guy that has the potential to be the number one quarterback overall. I didn't slot him that high, obviously, but I don't see any weaknesses or any flaws in Colin Kaepernick's game. The only thing I can even think is that the defenses are going to over, they're going to try to figure out how to solve that. And and usually when defenses are, are, are met with a challenge, they usually figure it out. That's the only thing I can pin that could say, you know what, he, he may not do it. Because look, it's not like Crabtree uh, is the most dominant wide receiver ever. And it's not like Crabtree <clears throat> was effective the entire time he was with Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick was effective before Crabtree. Go back and look at the game log. Cra- Kaepernick was effective regardless of what he had because of what he yep. brings to the table. He's multidimensional. I don't see any re- anything stopping Kaepernick. To get him in the 10th round, to be able to draft him, I think people are going to be laughing to the bank if they can do that. I would think this that's this year's RG3 type pick because you're getting him so late. I mean, if Colin Kaepernick has, has a very good chance he could have 100 rushes on the season, right? If you look at how many rushes he had last year, what, 62 rushes last year, and those games started, he was a starter in week 10. He was a starter in week 10. So there were another eight games. He could have had 120 rushes. Now, he may not have that many this year, but 600 yards rushing, six or seven touchdowns rushing, it's very hard for this guy not to be a top five quarterback, Mike. No, I, I totally disagree with you. There is no way that he's going to be that top of quarterback because he, because you're I mean, fired. You've already been fired. Defenses have uh, they're, they're going to realize what he's all about. I mean, the guy's a special talent, but he's not that special. I'm sorry. Well, my, no point, my, my point was it doesn't matter if he only has 20 touchdowns or not. It doesn't matter if he only throws for 3,200 yards, Mike. It's He's going to run the ball again. And he's he's going to have, you know, 600 yards rushing and probably six six touchdowns. I mean, dude, that's the dude, his game. Dude, dude, dude. Before I was interrupted, that's where I was going. They're going to cram him. They're going to cram him so hard to where he cannot do that, Okay. There's no way he's going to be able to do that. I'm sorry, Colin Kaepernick. He's gonna. He might have a fine year, but he is not going to be able to run like he did last year. If he does, he's going to get hurt, and he's going to be hurt real bad. Hmm. 
All right. You heard it there. It's, it's always a possibility, Mike. Always a possibility the defenses uh, do catch up. That's why I said, maybe you know, you, that's the only knock I can find is maybe the defense has mm-hmm. figured out, but they've yet to do it. They've yet to do yeah. it. Uh, let's look at, let's do look at the rest it. of the team, Mike. Mike, we've got, we've got to get through. We've got to get through the teams. We don't have enough time for this. We got nine minutes left. I got four. I got all these teams to do. We don't have time for your range. Ray Rice, MJD. Mendenhall at three, Rodgers at four. He's got good running backs, wide receivers, Julio Jones, Colston, D-Jack, Vincent Brown. That's a solid team. There's two flex already. I've got Vincent Brown as my my first flex. Mendenhall is my second flex. Uh, Finley and Cameron, there's a third flex. This team is built for bear. And there's Jacquez Rodgers, who is a good option to have. I don't know. He doesn't have speed, but he has everything else. I mean, He's got that's a that's a team that's just loaded with and then he gets a quarter out Patterson. I like that team. Dom, that's a good squad. Yep, contender. That's that's typical Z men stuff for you right there. Look, he he uh he waits, he grabs guys that are going to play, that are going to contribute, gets Vincent Brown late. I like that pick, gets Mendenhall a starting running back as the uh 35th running back off the board. That doesn't quite make sense. Let's see, you're a starter, but you're 35, okay, so People are taking backups before they're taking a starting running back. Let's move on to Dave, uh, pure strength, David Hughes. He always likes his Peyton Mannings. I know that by now. He loves his Broncos. He loves his Colts. Let's see, did he get any Colts? Peyton Manning, uh, at quarterback, running back, Shane Vereen as his one. Ahmad Bradshaw as his two, D'Angelo as his three, and Stewart as his four. Look, we have probably the most aggressive rankings in the country uh, for Shane Vereen. And FF Toolbox did win the most accurate draft rankings award for 2012. I'm going to pat the team on the back there a little bit because that's a major accomplishment. Over 100 websites were in with CBS and Yahoo and all these corporate monsters. But Toolbox, a little old site, a privately owned site, can be the most accurate website. That just shows the little guy can do it, Dom. Your book, it could be a bestseller because the, the, the dream in America is the little guy can do it. And when Toolbox can win the most accurate draft rankings, over a hundred websites in the country, you can you can have a bestseller, man. That's what's beautiful. I love that about, you know. And I'll just go ahead and include North America. I love that about North America. See, I, see, I got Scott, Scott, real quick, I just want to throw in, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think the Shane Vereen, uh, I don't mind that pick, uh, Ma Bradshaw. I'm kind of concerned there, and it, it almost seems like. Uh, Seems like he was reaching there. You know, once he got uh, Vereen, it's like, uh-oh, I need some more running backs. And then uh, Bradshaw, uh, he will, and then going to Jonathan Stewart. I mean, you know, uh, Dom, wh- what do you think about that? No, I think we lost Dom. Um, We're having some technical no, issues I'm back. there. Oh, you're back? Okay. Yep, I'm there. All right. Well, look, we are we're running real short on time, Mike. Yep. We don't have time That's to answer wrong. the questions. We, we, we've got to get through this. Olsen and Fleener at tight end. They're really good tight ends. I love that. We're very high on Olsen. We think he's top five. Kobe Fleener, a sleeper, somebody that you have to go get. I do like Dwayne Allen, too. I think they use him all over the field, but Kobe Fleener will be the deep threat. Uh, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, he grabbed them both. Moreno and Christine Michael. Uh, okay, so he's got a really d- strong core of wide receivers. We know that Dez might be the best, Demarius Welker. So th- there's his starters. He's counting on Vereen and Bradshaw. I can live with that simply because we at Toolbox are very high on Vereen. What I was going to say earlier, 
we're probably the highest, and we've got him at number 29 um, overall. Actually, I'm sorry, that's the uh, that's the non-PPR. Let me pull up the PPR rankings here. Shane Vereen, we've got a little bit higher than that. There we go, number 23. We've got him right beside Stephen Ridley because we think he's going to get the lion's share of receptions. But he's a he's a better RB2 than an RB1. But look, what can you do? Go ahead and get him. Ahmad Bradshaw is a two. D'Angelo may be a good uh, RB3 this year. He's got a bunch of Panthers there coming in and uh, with D'Angelo and Olsen. But, look, they've got to throw to somebody. I like I like what he did a little bit thin at the running backs for sure. I mean, when you're counting on Vereen, but it, it's one of those drafts that you're going to have to leave and say, you know what, I hope these guys come through. Starting at Brown Bombers here, we want to get to Brown Bombers. We've got to get all through all these teams. Matt Ryan is the top – uh, a great quarterback to get in the sixth round. I love it. Morris, Ridley, and Bell, fantastic. And we haven't even got the touch on Bell, but I'm very high on uh, Le'Veon Bell. A.J. Green, Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden as his three. Lance Moore as his four. The ultimate handcuff, Lance Moore. His mm-hmm. his flex options are Le'Veon Bell and Lance Moore. Like those guys. Vic Ballard, another option. Brandon Myers and Gates and the Niners D. Okay, this is a very well-put-together squad. Dom, uh, I don't see a lot of weaknesses here. Nope. Good job. Very, very good job. Yannicko Warriors. Chris Yannicko. I like That's that team name. right here. Matt Stafford, a quarterback in the eighth round, could be a top five quarterback. We know how we, we love Matt Stafford here on River vs. Blue. LaShawn McCoy at 11. That's value. Ryan Matthews as my RB2. You know what? That's what he is. He is kind of an RB2. I don't like it. It doesn't smell good. I don't want it for dinner. But if you have it happen to you, you go ahead and take it. Monty Ball is a three. Now, here, that's what I like. I like Monty Ball as a three in the sixth round. I didn't like him at the start of the year in the drafting season when the third and the fourth round. like him much better as, a, as an RB3 in the sixth. Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis for a nice little safe play in case it takes a while for Ball or in case Matthews is not what he's cracked up to be. I think it's a very smart move by Chris to get Ben Jarvis in there. Even though he's not a sexy pick, it's a steady pick. Then you've got Aaron Dobson, Harry Hayward Bay, Michael Floyd. He's a sleeper here, red versus blue. We love him, and his stock continues to rise as we get closer to the drafts. Uh, what did he do at tight end? Jimmy Graham, best tight end in the league. Mike, we've got two minutes. What do you got, man? Yeah, real quick, uh, Chris. Better be. Uh, Chris, in, in my opinion, he's got the best team on the board. I love this team. And we didn't even mention the wide receivers. Vincent Jackson, Dwayne Bowe. Michael Floyd is the three. It's a that's a good three. The, I am a little worried about his, his his depth at wide receiver. I like the options, but if you're counting on Aaron Dobson, we don't know. If you're counting on Darius Hayward Bay, we don't know. If you're counting on Sidney Rice, we don't know. There's a lot of don't knows for my bye week coverage that I have to fill every single week. So let's see if he can pull it off. He went against my my advice and took a, a tight end and a quarterback in the first eight rounds. We'll and, and he wasn't the only one. A lot of them did. <laughs> But that's okay. Uh, he did pull it off. Jimmy Graham is obviously the clear-cut shoulders, uh, best tight end in the game right now. And then finally, Raider Nation. A little late to the party. Better late than never, Johnny. Drew Brees at quarterback. Forte. David Wilson as his two in the fourth round. Got to like it. Andre Brown, he backed him up. Very good job. Isaiah Pete is a, is a, is a sleeper here in the 12th. And he, and he fumbled right off the bat last night, too. So we'll see. And then LaShore for a nice steady eddy. At wide receiver, Marshall, James Jones, Tavon Austin, an electric playmaker as my wide receiver three. I'll take that all day long. Kendall Wright is could be a guy that if Austin isn't ready, he could plug Kendall Wright in. Seahawks D, Vic at quarterback as, an R, as a QB two. 
I really like what he did. He actually pulled it off. He was late, but he pulled it off. Dom, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can get your book, man. FantasyFootballQB.com and at FantasyQB on Twitter. This has been the awesome. Rotable show that we've uh, been waiting for all year long. Mike Trent, last words. Hey, man, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. And uh, let's keep on rolling, man. we got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff going on. See us on Thursday on Toolbox, the Google Plus Hangout. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.